Well, good morning. How are y'all today? Good. Looking good out there. Good to see you. I'm going to sit down for a little while today. I might get up. and I, I always, I have thought about trying to sit down the whole time, but then I get excited about something and I have to stand up. So, but I'll, I'm going to start off sitting down. Um, hey, let me just remind you of one thing that I mentioned last week. We'll get the bad news over with first. Uh, remember, we reminded you last week about bringing coffee and stuff in here, uh, that, that you're not supposed to bring coffee and stuff in here. That's a school rule, and, and we, uh, we rent this place from them, and we want to obey their rules. And, uh, and remember, I told you last week that starting next week, the first week in May, that our enforcers at the door are going to take those things from you and throw them out into the atrium if you try to bring them in. Now, they're not going to do that, but, uh, but we, did, we did tell you last week that we'll give you a couple weeks before our, our folks are just going to kindly mention to you, hey, you're not supposed to bring coffee or, or uh, water or juice or anything like that in here, all right? So I just want to remind you that before we do that next week, and, and I know y'all are going to be very great and cooperative with all those things because y'all are good folks, all right? Hey, um, this is the final message in the gospel series, so you're not going to get to see our buddy up there anymore that you just, you've been seeing the last three weeks. That was the last time you'll get to see him. But this is the final message in our gospel series, and we're starting another series next week, which is going to flow right just very smoothly from what we're talking about today, what this message on, to, on, on this Sunday is about, directly into what we're going to talk about for most of May. So it's going to be really cool how we'll do that, and I'll share what that's going to be with you in just a moment. But, you know, as we've done this series, I, I hope you've been here all through weeks. If you haven't been here all three weeks, if this is maybe whatever's been going on, this is your first week, you've been here for a while, you can go on our website, uh, freedomfellowshipsc.com. You can listen to all the messages for the last several weeks, including last week and the week before, so you can catch up with, uh, with this series. Uh, you can also get that on iTunes as well. You can go search under podcast, the podcast of Freedom Fellowship, and you'll find it there. But I encourage you to do that if, if you just showed up here today, because this series especially, this gospel series, has been uh, included probably for some of you a lot of different ideas than what you're used to. In fact, um, as I was thinking about what this series has been like maybe for some of you and what it's done for your ideas about what the gospel really is, I thought about these guys right here. Look at this picture right here. Does anybody remember those guys right there? Millie Vanilli? Yeah, you can keep that up for a little bit, Joe, while I tell this story. But, you know, um, 1989, the year was 1989. It was a different world back then. There was no Internet and, uh, and there was no Starbucks in South Carolina, at least. And, uh, and so these guys, Millie Vanilli come out, came out, and they just blew up big time with their music. I mean, they had like four number one hits off their album. They even got Best Grammy, uh, Best New Artist Grammy. They won that, and they were all over MTV. And listen, I know some of you out there are smirking right now, but if you're between the ages of 35 and 45, you cannot tell me that you were not riding in your car with your big mall hair or your mullet blowing going, blame it on the rain that was fall. I know you liked one of those songs, all right? If you didn't like that one, there was another one you liked. No matter how much you wanted the night, everybody, it seemed like... The girls love these guys. They're good-looking guys. And, and on, the, on the appearance, the, on the outside, it seemed like that they could sing. It seemed like they could dance. They were good-looking guys. It just seemed like that they were really talented and the sky was the limit for them. But as most of you know, the way the story ends is it started to come out, I don't know, a year or two after they, they got really big that these guys had not sang any of it. 
They couldn't sing at all. And in fact, the real singers of their songs were these middle-aged dudes that nobody would want to look at or go. They, they looked like somebody you'd see working at the post office or the grocery store or the bowling alley or something. They, weren't, they didn't look like rock stars. And so what you thought you knew about Millie Vanilli, all of a sudden you realize everything I thought I knew was different. And what the truth is is very different. And I thought about this series. For some of you, maybe that's the way it's been. That even if you grew up in church and what you thought you've known for years and years about the Bible, what you thought you've known about Jesus and everything else possibly has gotten turned upside down in the last couple of weeks. Think about it. Maybe two weeks ago when we started this series, it was the first Sunday after Easter. Hey, you can take those guys down now, Joe, if you want to. They're kind of distracting me with their amazingly good looks right there. So. But, you know, you came in two weeks ago, the first Sunday after Easter, and, and you probably walked in here that day, and you might have been thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm, I'm overall, I'm generally a good guy, and, and, and I'm a pretty good guy, and, and, and that's just the way things are. And then I stand up here, and I look you in the face, and I read out of Ephesians chapter 2, where it says that we are by nature objects of wrath, and we are dirty and evil all the way down to the core of our being, and we're doomed to hell. Now, for you, that might have been an idea that you could not, you walked out of here that day thinking, I never knew that. And, and, and then you show up the next week, and, and, and you might have had an idea about how you could, okay, I'm doomed to hell, now what do I need? I, I need to make a big contribution to the church, or I need to put some service in at a homeless shelter, I need to do something to try to, to get, earn my way out of this. And then I stood up in front of you and I said, it doesn't matter what you attempt to do, the only thing that will save you from hell is the grace of Jesus. That's it. Nothing else. You can't work your way out of it. You can't be good enough. And that might have taken your idea and blown it all away because you might have had an idea where life was kind of like a big scale, right? And you pile up all your bad deeds over here and, oh, I looked at this and uh, I had this affair and I stole here and I lied here. The scale's kind of tipping. But instead, I put a big contribution to the church one time and I helped an old lady across the street and I obeyed my parents and I did this. And you're hoping that in the end, the good will, you know, on this scale, the good will outweigh the bad and, and you know, you'll stand before heaven and God will look at it and say, oh, okay, well, it's, it's three more good deeds than all the bad deeds. Come on into heaven. And maybe that's the way you thought it was going to be. But I told you last week that it's not like that at all, that it's only by the grace of Jesus. So chances are that what we've talked about the last two weeks has totally rocked your world in terms of what you understand about Jesus and what you understand about what makes you good enough to get into heaven and, and, and what really the gospel is all about. And so we're going to finish up today and hopefully... When you walk out of here today, after hearing three weeks worth of this, you will have an understanding of what the good news really is. And you'll be able to share that with somebody else and take the, all those old ideas you had and throw them out the window and never return to them. Instead, make the understanding of grace and understanding of the fact that we are not good by nature. You will make that part of your life. Let me, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Now, we, we've been in Ephesians chapter 2 for several weeks, or, or for the last two weeks, and we're going to be in there at the beginning, and then we're going to jump over to another book of the Bible. But look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. I'm just going to remind you of what we talked about last week before I read verse 10 to you. Ephesians 2, 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Remember last week, it's grace, stupid, that's what we talked about. 
And then verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. Remember we said that that another place in Scripture says that our good deeds are like filthy rags, nothing we can do, we can't be good enough. Now look at, if you you just stop there, if you stop after verses 8 and 9, you would, maybe you would think to yourself, well, my responsibility is over because I can't be good enough, I can only be saved by God's grace, so really I just chill, that's all I have to do, right? Everything's all right. If you stop there, but then look at verse 10 where it talks about once we've been saved. In verse 10 it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So good works doesn't save us. Good works doesn't make us good enough to to be forgiven of our sin. But once we've been forgiven of our sin, the Scripture says, then it is our responsibility to be engaged in good works because God created us to do that. So before you were born, before your parents even met each other, God had in mind that he knew that the day you were going to arrive on this earth and he knew the opportunities you were going to have to serve others, to do good works while you were on this earth. And he had created opportunities for you to do that already years and years ago. It's kind of like, I thought about it kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, brushing your teeth doesn't make you grow teeth. No one that's ever had a baby does, do you, does the doctor say, okay, you need to start brushing that child's gums or they're not going to develop any teeth, right? The, the teeth just come out, whether you do anything or not, right? Now, I have heard, you know, some people that are like really uber mom, over the top, you know, they're like, oh, we got to take this little thing and brush their gums, you know, and I've, I have seen ladies do that, and that's cool if y'all want to do that. But we didn't do that to our girls, and they have two healthy sets of teeth, and uh, I don't think my mom did that to me, and I got great teeth. Um, Thanks to braces when I was a kid, because I used to have really bad buck teeth. I looked like a horse when I was a kid. But br- brushing, brushing your gums doesn't make you grow teeth, right? And doing good works doesn't save you. But once you have teeth, is it important to brush them? Yeah, if you want to keep them, right? And once you are saved, it's important to do good works, because Christ has commanded us to, Christ has created us to do that. And so, so the good works do not save us, but they are part of what God has in mind for us. So now, what kind of good works are we talking about? Well, we can make a list of all kind of great things that God wants us to be involved in, all kind of great opportunities that you have a chance to do. But I want us to talk today about the one, there's one overarching good work. There's one that, that God intends for all of us to be a part of. And we're going to look at it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you'll find 2 Corinthians in your Bible... Chapter 5, you go back to the left, if you're in Ephesians, go back to the left and you'll find 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, right after the book of Acts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to start with verse 17. And if you don't have your Bible today, you can look at the the, uh, screen. And by the way, if you were wondering, uh, Donnie was listening to a sermon this week in his office of someone, and I walked in and I said, who are you listening to? And he told me, and he said, I'm trying to figure out which version of the Bible he's using. And so we both sat there listening, and we were throwing out different versions. And Noah, I said, is it this? No, it's not that. I looked that one up. The one I use, the one that I preach out of every week, is the New International Version. So if you want to bring a Bible to church and be able to follow along with it, that's the one we use. I'm not saying it's the best or the better one than anything else, all right? If you're a King James man, go for it. That's awesome. You and William Shakespeare, y'all can read that and understand it. Um, I, I like the NIV because it's written in a language that I can get. 
but, any, but that's the one I use, so, uh, just so you'll know as, as I read it where we're coming from. 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. What did I tell you the first week? What does the word gospel mean? Say it out loud if you remember. Good news. That's what gospel means, good news. This right here, verse 17, that is the epitome of the good news. That if you accept Christ, then you are no longer the person you were before. It says the old has gone and the new has come. And so that's the epitome of good news. It's summed up there in verse 17. Then look at verses 18 and 19. All this is from God. Once again, it's grace, stupid. Remember, it's all from God. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. All right, here's the situation. We talked about this two weeks ago, and we talked about the fact that we're all doomed. God is, is perfect. We are imperfect. We're imperfect down to our core. Because of that, we are separated from him, and we have to be reconciled. We have to be brought back together to God. And the way that happens is through Christ. Verse 18, it says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. But remember what we talked about last week. It's what happened on the cross, what happened in the grave after the cross because Jesus didn't stay dead. Because of those events, now we have the opportunity to be reconciled to God, to be brought back together to God. But look, it doesn't stop there. Verse 18 and 19, he makes the point twice. He says, Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And then at the end of verse 19, it says that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That is the overall good work that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Once we have accepted Christ, once God has changed you, the old has gone, the new has come, once that has happened in your life, now you have the job of telling others how they can be reconciled reconciled to God. We now have the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the message of reconciliation, and we're supposed to share that with someone else, with anyone else, with whoever we come in contact with. And then it goes on in verse 20. He says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled, to God. If, um, if, if you've ever, you know, you know what an ambassador is, we have in America, we have ambassadors all over the world in not every country of the world, but in several countries of the world. And they are people, they are American citizens, men and women, they've been appointed by our government, and they go to whatever country it might be, India or uh, Germany or wherever, they go to this country and they live there, they make that their home, they have an office there, and they are in charge of the interests of our country in that country. And so I don't, I'm positive that there has never been an ambassador at any time who's been appointed by our government that's gone over there and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go here and I'm not going to tell anyone I'm from America. I'm just going to blend in and kind of chill, and if they want to ask me about America, 
I'll be glad to talk to them, but I'm never going to mention it to them, right? I'm going to kind of keep it all on the down low because we don't want the word getting out. I mean, that would be stupid, wouldn't it? Because they go there and they are representing the United States. Well, it says here in verse 20 that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and we are now his ambassadors. We are the ambassadors of Jesus. There was a time on this earth when Jesus walked around, he breathed the oxygen, his feet walked on the ground just like ours do. That is no longer the case. After the resurrection, the scripture tells us that he stayed here on earth for about a month after that. He did a bunch of teaching. He gave some last words of instruction. And then he went back into heaven and he left it with us. And he left the, the, the church with us. He left the ministry of reconciliation with us. And so now, since he's not here, we are the ambassadors. Since our president can't be in every country of the world, we send ambassadors to those countries. And that is the job that he has given us. So this morning, if you're, if you're here and you call yourself a follower of Christ, it doesn't matter what your talents or your gifts or your abilities are, your overall goal is supposed to be telling other people how they can be reconciled to God. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, Cliff, isn't there like a such thing as a, as a gift of evangelism? And I don't have the gift of I took one of them tests, Cliff. I ain't got that gift of evangelism. That's Billy Graham's job to tell people about Jesus. My job is service. I'm not supposed, it doesn't matter what your gifts are, your talents are, through whatever it is that you do, you're supposed to be about the overall goal, which is telling people about Jesus. I'll give you an example that I thought of. Um, we got some folks here in this church that work for BMW. Who, if Keith, I know you work for BMW. Lift it high, man. Be proud. All right. If you need a car, go talk to Keith after the service. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, and, and I know some other folks that work there, and, and they employ a lot of people here in Greer. Now, the overall goal of BMW is making cars, right? Make, not just making cars, but making cars that somebody will buy and drive on the road. That's what's going to keep them in business. But BMW employs, I don't know, maybe thousands of people. I know it's at least hundreds of people. There's a bunch of people that work over there. And there are a whole lot of the people that work over there. They never touch any of the cars. They don't have anything to do with the actual production of the car. You got office staff over there that they're doing clerical things and other stuff and they don't know how to put in a dashboard or put a paint job on or rotate tires. They don't know any of that stuff. You got maintenance people and custodial folks. They don't have anything to do with that at all. But what is the overall job of BMW? It's putting cars on the road. Now, are they a part of that job? Absolutely. They help keep that thing running. But they don't actually touch those things, and they might not actually have anything to do with the car. And that's kind of like what our gifts are. If your gift, whether your gift is, or your talent or your ability, maybe you, you've got a passion for, for working with kids or, or young people or, or, uh, or the elderly, or, or you, you really want to work with homeless folks, and, and you've got a gift for, for service, and whatever it might be, whatever those things are. And you think, but that's not evangelism. That's not leading people to Jesus. Your overall goal is always reconciling folks. So as you do that, as you are about those different things that you do, then that's supposed to be where you're pointing people overall. Just like the folks at BMW. If they're not, 
if, uh, you know, you might be an office person there and you just work there and you're answering phones and, and typing out memos and keeping people schedules and all those kinds of things and you think, I'm really not important to the overall business here, you're absolutely important to it. And the overall business is absolutely important to you because if that fails, then BMW shuts down and you no longer have a job. And if we fail in our overall goal of the ministry of reconciliation, then all those other gifts and things we have, those aren't near as important and they're not going to work out like they're supposed to. And I love the fact that that's the way God has set things up because what it does is it equals out all of our gifts. Because here's what some of you think. I know this. You look up here at this band and Laura Beth just sang this song, and she's got a beautiful voice. And some of you are out there thinking, I wish God would give me that voice. She really serves Jesus because she's on stage, and everybody looks at her, and she's got a beautiful voice, and she really leads people to Christ. I can't do anything like that. All I can do is work on an engine or all I can do, you know, whatever it might be. And you think, you think that somehow her gift is so, so much greater than your gift. Or maybe you look at what Donnie and I do when we stand up here and teach and you think, I could never stand up there and do that. Wow, you know, Cliff's gift or Donnie's gift, that's way more important than what I'm able to do or what I'm supposed to do. But what this does when we read in 2 Corinthians 5 where it tells us that we all have the gift and we all have the ministry of reconciliation. We all have that message that we're supposed to share. That equals out all of our gifts. My gift is no more important than yours is. And yours is no more important than someone else's. Because we're all about the overall work of bringing people to Jesus. The overall work of, of reconciliation. So how do we do that? Well, you know what I'm about to tell you. This is where I'm going to lose some of you. All right? I know that. I'm fixing to talk, start talking about some things, and some of you are going to, you know, you're going to shut down, put it in sleep mode, and, and you're just going to wait to go to Taco Bell after the service, all right? And, and for some of you, you're going to listen, but it's going to be like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? You know, like that? That's what it's going to be to you, because you're going to hear it, but you're not going to understand it. You're not going to want to understand it. So how do, we, how do we go about being about the ministry of reconciliation? Well, it takes two things. It takes deeds and it takes words. And this is why I'm talking about starting in May. This, is, this flows directly into what we're doing. Starting next week, we're going to do uh, four messages about what the mission of our church is and just reminding us of that mission. And we're going to spend one whole week on deeds and we're going to spend one whole week on words talking about this. But it takes two things. It takes actions, doing things for people, and it takes telling people about Jesus. Now, here's the thing that I know about most of you, and I know it because I'm the same way. We really like deeds a lot. We like that. You know, hey, we're getting together to build a house for somebody. Dude, sign me up. I will be there. We like serving, those kinds of things. We even, we even like things like uh, feeding somebody who's hungry. Yeah, I, I can do that. I will go to the store, and I'm a coupon lady. I guess there might be some coupon men, but most people I know, they're coupon ladies. And I'm on the Internet every night, and I'm figuring out, I'll go, I'll get three truckloads of food. We don't even have to pay for it, and I will give it to those homeless people. I'm all into that. We're into those deeds. But when it comes to words, oh, wait a minute. Now, you want me to talk to somebody about Jesus? I, I'm a, I might say the wrong things. 
I don't really know. Cliff, I thought before two weeks ago that we were all basically good and you told me we're doomed to hell, so I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what to do. You've confused me now, right? And so, what, so when it comes to words, then we get a little queasy and we want some Pepto-Bismol. And, I, and listen, and I'm right there with you. I don't, what I want you to hear from me today is, is that I understand what you're feeling like. Because some of you think that I walk out of here and as bold as I am up here on this stage, you think that I'm like that every day, that I just walk into Ingalls in the frozen food section and I'm like, you are all doomed to hell and the only way you're going to get saved is by grace. I'll be up front near the cash registers if you want. You know, that's the way you think about me, some of you do. But you know the way I really am when I go out in public? I cannot tell you, and now I get my hair cut at the same place all the time, and now I know all the ladies in there that cut hair. But I can't tell you, over the years I used to go to Great Clips and, and get my hair cut, and at Great Clips it was like, you know, crapshoot. You get somebody every week, you don't know who it's going to be. And, uh, and so I would go in there and sit down, and sometimes, some days I'd be tired, and some days I'd go in there and think, please don't ask me what I do for a living. Please do not ask me what I do for a living. Because you can go in there and they'll ask you, what do you do for a living? Oh, I work at BMW. They're not going to try to talk to you about Jesus then, right? But I come in, I'm a pastor. And then it's like, oh, now we've got to talk about Jesus and I'm tired today or whatever. And, or I'm afraid to talk to you about Jesus. I get that feeling too. So I understand how you feel about words. When we start talking about words and really telling people about Jesus, man, we get so scared. And we start feeling like we can't do it and we're uncomfortable with it. But it takes both. It always takes both. And the, the thing about it that I think is so cool is that it just falls right into the way God has made us. Because really we have been designed to talk about what's important to us. That's the way God's wired us up. We've been designed to talk about what's important to us. It's, it's in our DNA. And, and think about it. If you get a, you get a new truck, what are you going to do? You're going to be telling folks about it. You're going to put pictures on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. If you get a new pair of shoes, if, if you get a great deal at the grocery store, you buy a new lawnmower, whatever is going on in your life, we want to talk about it. That's the way God has wired us up. We've been designed to talk about what's important to us. So if that's the case, then... If we really have been made into a new creature, if 2 Corinthians 5.17 is true, and, and, and we, the old really has gone, and the new has come, and that's all happened due to the grace of Christ, then what does that mean? If that's really happened, that's going to be important to us, and we should be talking about it. It should come natural to us to want to say something about it. But what we do as followers of Jesus, and I know this because I've seen it for years, is we repress that urge. When you, first, when you first accept Christ, man, you're wanting to tell all kind of people about it. You want everybody to know because you've been changed and you want people to know what's happened to you so that they can be reconciled. But then after a while, you start to say, you start getting these reactions from people and they, you know, treat you like you're nuts because you're talking about Jesus. I mean, you can talk about crazy political ideas. You can talk about bands. You can talk about anything to people that's off the wall and they'll, they'll understand it. But you start talking about God and religion, man, then they think you're a psycho, right? And so you've had some of those experiences. And so now your natural reaction is, is when you think, man, I really want to tell that person about Jesus, then you feel this great suppression that comes and it's just pushing. No, no, you don't want to do that. You, please don't ask me what I do for a living. That's what that comes for with me. 
is I start thinking, no, I don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. And so we have this, this, this desire to do that, but then we hold that desire back. But if it's important to us, if it's really who we are, then we should want to tell people about it. And our motivation should, of that, for that should be the grace of Jesus. If grace has saved us, then grace should be motivating us to tell someone else. You see, we've been saved from hell. Remember I told you two weeks ago we're all doomed to hell? And what the grace of Jesus, it saves us from hell. We are excited. We rejoice in the fact that we're saved from hell. But we've also been saved to something else. We've been saved to the ministry of reconciliation. And we will rejoice in what we're saved from, but we won't embrace what we've been saved to. And we'll sing songs, raise our hands, dance in the aisles, cry on Easter because Jesus won and we're not going to hell. But then we'll walk out the door and we'll stand in front of someone who we work with day after day after day and we know they're just as lost as they can be and we'll never open our mouths to tell them about what we just celebrated the day before in church. We rejoice in what we're saved from, but we oftentimes don't embrace what we've been saved to. And according to 2 Corinthians 5, we've been saved to the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I want to finish up. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 again. But then I want to read verse 21. We stopped at 20 a while ago. And listen to what verse 21 says when I get to that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, again, says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now when you first read that, it seems like verse 21 is out of place. Because verses 17 through 20 it's talking about us, right? We were apart from God. We've been reconciled to God. Now we have the ministry of reconciliation. And then all of a sudden at the end on verse 21, he just tags on there. Oh, and by the way, God made him, talking about Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it seems out of place, but it's not out of place. And here's why it isn't. God is reminding us there that the ministry of reconciliation, that drawing people back to himself that were separated from him was so important to him that he was willing to put all of the sin of the world on his perfect, blameless son. That's how important it was to him. That he was willing to have his son violently murdered so that we could be reconciled to God. And if it's that important to him, then it should be important enough to us 
to get over that queasy feeling we have in our stomach and open our mouths and tell someone about what Jesus has done for us. That's our response to the gospel. The gospel is good news, and the good news doesn't end with us being saved from hell. That's a great part of it, but it continues now with us telling others how they can be saved from hell, how they can be reconciled back to God. I want you to bow your heads. And we're going to spend about four weeks talking about this general idea and getting a lot more detailed and talking about what it means for our church. But right now, what I want you to do is, is I just want you to think about most of you in here would tell me that you are a follower of Jesus, a Christian, whatever the word you want to use for it, that most of you in here would claim to be that. Who in your life do you need to be telling about the message of reconciliation? Who in your life needs to be prayed for right now? And I just want you to think about that for just a moment or two, and then I'm going to close us in prayer. And after I'm done praying, I'm not going to say another word. The band's going to kick in, and we're going to sing a celebration song about how good God has been to us. But let's pray this right now. Father God, we are unable to save ourselves, and there is nothing in us that that can make that happen. We, there's nothing we can do about it. And so, Lord, I pray that we would realize that and that we would, if we've accepted your grace and, and we've been changed by you and the old has gone and the new has come, that we would be so excited about that that we would want to tell our neighbors, we'd want to tell our friends at school, we'd want to tell the people we work with, and just who is in our everyday circle that we'd want to tell them about what you've done for us. The scripture tells us that our best efforts to save ourselves are like filthy rags. And if we really believe that every day, then we should be so grateful that we would want to share that message with someone else. And Lord, I pray you would begin that in my heart. And Lord, I pray that you would break my heart for all the people in this community that don't know you. And that I would be unable to go a whole day without mentioning Jesus without talking about the gospel and I pray that same thing for every person in this room and every person in our church you are a good God Lord and we need to celebrate that goodness with our deeds and with our words everywhere we go and we ask these things in Jesus name amen